Burke's Eye View, the podcast is back. I'm your host, Dave Burkett, Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And uh, it's Super Bowl week for Lions fans, right? Uh, at least that's that's the old saying, that uh, the draft is, is sort of like the Super Bowl for Lions fans who don't often have a whole lot else to cheer about during the season. And, you know, last year that was certainly the case after that 1-7 that and seven start. But a lot of changes at foot, a new general manager, a bunch of new people in the personnel department. Uh, Bob Quinn's going to run his first draft as Lions GM this week, and um, frankly, there's a there's a lot of mystery. I, I, you know, talking to some people across the NFL here the last few weeks, um, you know, Bob Quinn does not have a track record of making picks. He spent the last 16 seasons with the New England Patriots, working under Bill Belichick, obviously, and um, you know, n- no doubt he learned a lot. No doubt that uh, he gets a lot of how he views prospects, what he um, likes in players from from him, but. Look, frankly, Bill made all the picks in New England, uh, so there's a lot of people that are sort of scratching their heads wondering what Bob Quinn and the Lions are going to do this week. And, you know, I figured we we did a, a special edition podcast last year when the draft rolled around, and, and we're doing it again this year. And, you know, frankly, I think I got a really good guest. Uh, Greg Gabriel, uh, you may know him. He work, writes for National Football Post. He writes for Pro Football Weekly. He's a, a fixture in Chicago sports radio. Uh, Greg has, has been in the NFL for a long time. He worked for the Bills. He worked for the Giants. He was a longtime director of college scouting for the Bears. He consulted for the Philadelphia Eagles more recently. So he's got a long track record as a scout in the NFL, a couple decades in the league. And you know, I wanted to bring him on to provide some insight as to, uh, you know, maybe what Lions fans can expect a little bit from from Bob Quinn in his first go round as general manager, as as well as, as take a sort of a um, a general look at the draft and, uh, you know, both what the, what the Lions and players that, that may interest the Lions at 16 in the first round and, and also a couple of the local guys too, you know, namely Jack Conklin and Connor Cook, the two most high profile draft prospects coming out of the, uh, out of the state of Michigan this year. So, um, let's get to it. Without further ado, this is Greg Gabriel, uh, Pro Football Weekly, National Football Post, former NFL scout. Here he is. Thanks again for joining me, Greg. I wanted to bring you on both to analyze the draft, I guess, and, and talk about some, some local prospects of interest up here, but talk about the, the, the Lions a little bit as well and what new general manager Bob Quinn has been going through. I mentioned that you worked for a number of NFL teams, and he's a little bit of a mystery to us right now, and no track record of draft, draft picks. Um, obviously, he spent all those years under Bill Belichick in New England, but just give me a sense of what Lions fans should maybe be expecting from Bob Quinn in his first draft in Detroit. Well, if he's like New England has been over the years, I think uh, they'll be conservative but concise in that uh, obviously it depends on how their board is is lined up. Uh, But when you look at at New England's draft, you know, they have, especially in the high rounds, they they do a lot of uh, meat and potatoes type guys is what I call them, a lot of linemen guys that are going to, be around for a while, uh, and you have to be able to win on the offensive and defensive lines uh, to win in the National Football League and obviously have a quarterback. So, you know, that could be the direction. But guys who are going to be on the field, you know, three downs, you're not going to find a, a, a two-down player being drafted by Detroit, I think, in the, in the uh, premium rounds this year. Yeah, I've asked a couple people around the league sort of, um, you know, going back over the, the history of the Patriots drafts and, and maybe what we can call from that. And they said, well, you know, be careful with that because Bill Belichick makes all those decisions in New England and it doesn't matter 
sometimes what a scout says. So uh, having been in the league, maybe you can, can speak to, to some of that too, that uh, Bob Quinn's got to be his own man, I guess, here in Detroit, right? Everything that he learned under Bill was sort of the teaching tools, but maybe things would run a little bit different under under him. Well, I, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to go with what your gut feeling is. You have to listen to your scouting staff. Uh, that's why I have him. Now, the thing is, is he's only been with the team since January. And it's, you know, how – but he, he's going to have uh, – he's going to know what New England had on some of these people. It's not that he has the reports, the New England reports with him, but he he knows what the general feeling was of some some players. And then you have uh, what the Detroit scouts have put together and then all the information that he's gathered since January at the All-Star Games, the Combine, and during the whole uh, pro day process during the month of March, first part of April. And uh, the coaches obviously are going to be involved in the decision-making too as far as, you know, who they like, who they don't like, who's a – a good fit in the, in the early rounds, you've got to take players that fit the scheme and you're going to have a little bit uh, different scheme on the defensive side of the ball, I think this year. And uh, so, you know, that said, I, you know, I think that uh, uh, he's going to draft, he's going to be a conservative drafter. I think that Bill has always drafted that way. And the people who have worked for Bill and, and gone on to be their own man, so to speak, have always drafted sort of conservatively. So I, I would, tend to lean towards a, a big guy, but, you know, we'll find out on draft day. Yeah. Well, you mentioned perhaps a different defensive scheme. What what ways do you expect it to uh, you know, Well, you know, and I, I really may have heard the, pretty much the, the 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 coaching staff. I was thinking there's a change of the coaching staff, and I hear it there. They're, that's pretty much the same coaching staff that he's had. So, uh, you know, we're going to see what they – the same offense and defense that they've uh, run last year and and uh, then go from there. Right. Talking with Greg Gabriel, longtime former National Football League scout, now writes for Pro Football Weekly, National Football Post. You can find him on the air in Chicago, a bunch of other places. Um, you worked with Ernie Acorsi for a number of years with the Giants, and, and Acorsi, of course, hired Bob Quinn in Detroit. Are there any truisms that that you know Ernie held when it came to the draft that maybe could could trickle down to Bob in some way, shape, or form? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because, uh, you know, Ernie obviously was the general manager in Cleveland for a number of years, and he was out of the league for a few years and then uh, came back and, and was the assistant GM at New York under George Young. And he was always very, he was throughout his career, he was very close to George Young. So Ernie came in and, and really didn't change the way we did things under George Young, and that was we always went by the board. Uh, always took the highest guy on the board, but George was also he he come down with uh, down and talked to the press after we made a selection, and a, a lot of times we took uh, big people in the in the higher rounds, and he said, hey, it's it's the parade of the elephants. It's always about uh, winning the line of scrimmage, and and Ernie I think was the same way. Uh, Ernie was not an evaluator himself. He was more an administrator who had good people working under him. We had a very strong scouting staff in New York, uh, good coaching staff, obviously. And uh, he listened to everybody, and then he made the final decision based on all the opinions in the room. Yeah, well, and and maybe that that sounds a little bit like Bob. Bob has obviously got plenty of of scouting experience, and that's going to play into it. But anyone who's uh, sort of followed what the Lions have done here, I 
uh, and I've written this before. I've, I've gotten good feedback on a couple of his, you know, chief lieutenants, Kyle O'Brien, his, his sort of right hand man, and, and obviously Lance Newmark. This is his first draft as the Lions scouting director. So there's a lot of a lot of mystery there. And, and you know, you mentioned the the bigs, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen. That, that's sort of you know all the mock drafts that I've done. That, that always seems to be where I end up going. As, as you sort of look at this Lions roster and the strength of the draft, uh, round one, pick sixteen. Uh, where do you, you know, just position-wise, maybe a handful of guys that could be in the mix, who, who do you think could be available for the Lions there? Well, another good question. And really, when you get into the middle of the round, you, you don't know. And, and you could say, is there going to be a good offensive lineman? Well, you know, the, I keep hearing that three tackles could go in the top ten, and uh, that would be obviously Tunzel, Stanley, and, and Conklin. Uh, Conklin could be borderline, uh, but then again, some people have him rated higher than Ronnie Stanley. And it really depends on who you talk to. I've heard just in the last few days there's people that have Stanley rated above Tunzel. So, you know, you throw them in a, in, in a cup, mix it up, and, and <laughs> throw out the names, and that's what's going to happen. It really depends on, you know, every team – rates players differently. You could walk into the the draft room of all 32 teams, and I guarantee you the top 20 players are different on all 20 boards. It's it's how they look at players, what their scheme fit is, uh, what the profile is for those players at the position. So there's a lot of criteria that go into putting together a draft board. But now you look at 16, and, and let's say two tackles go in the top 10, and then you know, does Conklin make it all the way to uh, 15 to the Titans? Because there's, there's a good chance the Titans are going to take an offensive lineman. They were probably going to take Tunzel with the first pick if they stay there. And now you, you've got to determine if, if that's going to be the case. So looking at the Lions, they have to say, well, if, if we're bound to determine to get an offensive lineman in the first round, uh, you know, maybe we got to jump in front of uh, Tennessee, and that, I think some of that's going to uh, be determined by where Conklin goes, because then your next best offensive lineman is going to be Taylor Decker from Ohio State, and yeah. you know, depending on if you think he's a left tackle or right tackle or whatever, that's going to really determine on, on, on where you have him lined up on your board. Yeah, no, and I've, I've talked with a handful of scouts about those two, Conklin and Decker, that is, and. And you know I have found a, a couple guys that do like Decker better, but you're right. There, I think that's sort of after those first two, those guys are going to be in the mix, depending on where Conklin goes. Um, we talked a little bit about him on Twitter, and, and you just sort of mentioned him. I mean, he's you know, by most accounts, you know, the, the number three offensive tackle in the draft. When you've seen him, when you've watched him, what do you think the future holds for him as a player? You know, I I really like him, and I'm I'm one of those guys, and. Uh, I've done a lot of, of Ronnie Stanley too. I, I, I flip a coin with me. Ronnie Stanley has when you, when you watch Montape, he has great feet. He's an excellent pass protector, but he doesn't run block as good as Conklin does. Conklin's a more physical uh, player. I, I would say not that Stanley's a finesse player, but Conklin's a lot more physical. And then you hear this stuff, well, Conklin's strictly a right tackle. He's not as athletic as Stanley is. Well, go back and look at the numbers, and the numbers say something different. You know, the three-cone time, uh, and the three-cone is a real good uh, test of, of change of direction, body control, agility, and balance. And Conklin's time is a half a second faster than Stanley's. He was also, he was, and actually all the drills, he outperformed Stanley as far as time, 
uh, and with with the jump. So on paper, Conklin's a better athlete, even though your eyes tell you something different. So I have no problem in saying he's going to come in and, and, and be a starting left tackle in the league. Rookie year, he may play on the right side, but then that happens a lot of times with no matter who the player is. And then once they get comfortable in the league, they move him over to the left side. But I think he's going to be a, a great pro for years to come. No, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, you look at he's got the long arms. He's You mentioned the athleticism. I wrote a little bit about him for this past Sunday. That he's got all kinds of athleticism in the family. His, his grandfather is one of the best athletes in the, uh, you know, western Michigan, the state of uh, the west side of the state, you know, the history there. He played professional baseball and a great basketball player. And so I, I think there's plenty to, to like about Jack Conklin. And, and he's not, uh, you know, Decker, you mentioned him. He's probably a right tackle, right? Taylor Decker at the end of the day, NFL. Yeah, I could be. I mean, he, he doesn't have the movement skills that, that Stanley or Conklin have. But, you know, I can go back to when I was with the Giants. And this goes back, I mean, into the the uh, late 80s and we uh, or early 90s. And, and we drafted two tackles back-to-back, first and second round. We took a guy named Moore from Indiana in the first round and Jumbo Elliott from, from Michigan in the second round, thinking that, Elliott was going to be the right tackle and Moore was going to be the left tackle. Well, when we got to camp, it was the other way around. <laughs> Even though Elliott was, wasn't anywhere near as athletic as Moore was, he was a lot better left tackle because he understood angles better. Always had played on the left side when he was at Michigan and, and just that was his natural position. And, and the right tackle was actually Moore's natural position and they, ended up playing that way and playing well for the Giants for a number of years. So, you know, you can say that, that Taylor Decker's a right tackle, but it wouldn't shock me he ends up playing left tackle for the bulk of his career. Some people, um, you know, look at his arm length and say it's not what you want at left tackle. He's a six seven guy, but he's only got 32 and a, or 33 and a half, 33 and three quarter inch arms, um, which might bother some people, but uh, you know, when you watch him play, he doesn't play like a short-arm guy. Yeah. Spent a couple more minutes with Greg Gabriel here on Burke's Avenue, the podcast. And uh, Greg, we mentioned Jack Conklin, one Michigan State guy. Another Michigan State guy I wanted to ask you about was Connor Cook. It's obvious, you know, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, they're going to be the, the first two picks of the draft, probably in that order. Um, what do you see the future for, for Cook? Where does he go, and, and what sort of quarterback can he develop into? Well, I think, you know, if you go back to – August, he was the odds-on favorite to be the first quarterback drafted. And then it comes out that he wasn't elected uh, captain of his team, and I think that, I don't think, I know that was a red flag for a lot of teams, being that, you know, he's a three-year starter. Uh, for a, a team that has won a lot of games, uh, always been in the thick of things in the Big Ten, and yet he's not the named starter. So you have to question some of the intangibles and the leadership. Now, teams, each team will do their own research and come up with the answer uh, that they're happy with. But I think from a physical standpoint, he's got all the tools. He can make the throws that a, a National Football League quarterback has to make. He's uh, been in a pro-style offense that puts him ahead of all these guys that have uh, come from the spread offenses. Uh, where does he go? You know, just in the last week or so and looking how the the quarterback thing has played out, it would not surprise me to see him go in the later part of the first round. I've got him penciled in at Denver only because Denver doesn't have a quarterback. <laughs> and it just it just makes sense to me because 
you know, they're trying to get somebody, but obviously they can't. And then, which brings up another thing, you know, the Phil, why did Philly make that trade when they already got a couple quarterbacks? Well, in talking to some people I know that are close to the situation, they looked at it where they looked at the supply and demand within the league. They knew they were going to have to draft a young quarterback either this year or next year. They didn't like what was coming out next year. They had an opportunity to get it who they felt was the first or second best quarterback in the class this year and look basically at the future of the franchise when they made that trade. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, Cook sneaks into that first round. We'll see where uh, Paxton Lynch from, from Memphis goes to. He might be the third quarterback off the board. And one other thing on, on Cook, not only was he not voted a captain, his teammates didn't pick him MVP after this season. I know he missed a little bit of time with injury. Aaron Berber is a wide receiver. That's who his teammates just voted their their MVP. So, well, that receiver is a pretty good receiver, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he had a good, really good year for him too. But oh, it's fun to watch on tape. But we watch him. At, you know, as you're looking at, at flags, maybe it's just something else to keep in the, the back of your head. Um, all right, the defensive line class. We talked about the offensive linemen. This is a really deep defensive tackle group. But I wanted to ask you about the, the two Clemson defensive ends. Kevin Dodd, Shaq Lawson. Um, people wonder if they could be in the mix for the Lions. They need. They only have three defensive ends on their roster currently. Uh, how do you how do you separate those two in terms of evaluations? Um, you know, it's funny because I, I think some people might have Dodd ahead of of Lawson purely on size. He's a little taller, got a little better length, similar athletes. And the arrow's pointing up. I really, I think the arrow's pointing up on both players. I like them both. Shaq Lawson, I think, has the versatility that he could be an outside backer in a 3-4 scheme and play with his hand in the dirt on passing downs. I think uh, Dodd is strictly a 4-3 defensive end. He might be able to grow into a 5 technique, still a young guy. Uh, you know, and get up to about 285 and, and be an athletic five technique. But uh, at that point, personally, I think Lawson probably going to be gone by the time the Lions pick. But uh, Dodd's a guy who could be uh, staring him right in the face, and it'd be an interesting guy for them to have. He can be a left end in that scheme easily, uh, play the run well, and get some pressure on the quarterback. You know, they're two really solid players in this draft. Yeah, as I look at Dodd, you know, he, he seems to fit what the Lions and that, that scheme would use at their, their left-end spot or that, that closed defensive end, big, long guy they like they like too. So uh, I know he hasn't been a popular mock draft choice, but certainly somebody to keep an eye on. Um, all right, uh, Greg Gabriel, longtime NFL scout. Uh, now you can read his, his work all over the Internet, National Football Post, among other places. Let's end it with this. Uh, as we look at day three, we know that, you know, for all the, the sexiness of at the top of the draft that, that teams are, are built and, and championships are, you know, a lot of times won based on what you do with the, the depth and some of those, you know, second and, and round and beyond picks. So give me a sleeper or two, somebody that you like day three that you think is going to make an impact um, on whatever team, wherever he goes, you think he's going to be a pretty good player. Well, there's a few, and, and uh, there's a guy, his name was Robertson Harris. Last, um, It's a hyphenated name from – um, UTEP, and he didn't go to the combine. And he, uh, defensive end, or could be a, a an outside backer in a three-four scheme. About six-five, 265, He runs pretty good. Had a uh, a lot of sacks and pressures at UTEP. 
uh, guy on the comm, Nero's pointing up, and when he had his pro day, he was, uh, you know, put up some very good numbers, and then a lot of teams were bringing him in uh, over the course of the last two weeks. And then there's a, another defensive player by the name of Holmes from Montana. Same thing, not as big as the UTEP guys, about 6'3", uh, but he ran in the four sixes, put up big numbers as a sack guy at Montana. Another guy, I think, you know, anywhere from the – fourth to sixth round, these guys are going to probably go, and both of them weren't invited to the combine. There you go. Keep those two names in mind right there. Greg Gabriel, uh, long-time NFL scout, now working for Pro Football Weekly for National Football Post. You can hear him on the radio in Chicago, and make sure you follow him on Twitter for all your, your Chicago Bears draft needs, too. I know he's still plugged in with that uh, that franchise over there. Greg, thanks a lot for joining me here on the Perks of the Podcast. All right, once again, that was Greg Gabriel, former director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears. Spent about 30 years in the NFL in various positions, and you can read them all over the Internet now, National Football Post. Uh, most prominently, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Greg Gabe, G-A-B-E. He's a really good follow, especially this time of year when everybody's attention turns to the NFL draft. And I certainly know, judging by the fans out there, all the email I've got and all the Twitter feedback and response I've gotten here the last couple of weeks, everybody is – is pretty keyed in on the draft and, and what Bob Quinn is going to do with the Detroit Lions. And look, Greg said it uh, during the, the podcast, and, and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly, that as I look at what the Lions will do come Thursday night and sort of the sweet spots of the draft, I think they match up with, um, you know, probably what, what you know, Bob Quinn wants to do, and that's build the trenches. And, and I don't know if that's going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. Um, I think it's if Jack Conklin is there, uh, I think that's probably a, a no-brainer. He can start right away at right tackle. He can take over perhaps at left tackle the, the next season. Um, you know, if Shaq Lawson, one of those Clemson defensive ends is there, Kevin Dodd, the other one, I think both those guys could be in the mix. Look, here's the thing for me. As I look at this draft, and I haven't done my final mock draft yet, but um, if Paxton Lynch goes somewhere in that top 15, I think that's going to push a pretty good player down to the Lions at 16. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be um, – it's probably not going to be Conklin, but yeah, that possibility is still out there. You know, the Titans at 15 like Conklin. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, you know, I, I think you could see somebody like Shaq Lawson or Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle from Louisville, one of those guys fall to the Lions at 16 if Lynch goes in that, that top 15. Uh, maybe even Vernon Hargraves, a cornerback from Florida. Everybody thinks he's one of the, the better covermen in the draft, but – you know, I know there's uh, at least one team out there that has William Jackson, or maybe not one team, one one uh, scout I know of, uh, I should say, I guess, that, that thinks the world of William Jackson. And, uh, you know, so maybe a guy like Vernon Hargraves could fall to the Lions. But um, at the end of the day, I think they're ultimately going to be picking between guys like Taylor Decker from Ohio State, Kevin Dodd from Clemson, um, you know, maybe Jerome Reed from Alabama. I think there's there's some guys like that that are going to be in the mix. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out, Bob Quinn's first draft, what direction he goes, uh, how active he is in trading, um, you know, and, and what happens with uh, with uh, some of those Michigan State and, and, and Michigan guys too, and especially Conklin and, and Connor Cook, the two first-round possibilities. So I'll be on the ground floor in Chicago at the NFL draft for the first round this year. Uh, Carlos Menard is my colleague. He'll be in Allen Park. He's got you covered with the first day with the Lions. Um, for all your coverage, make sure you keep it in freak.com. We've got uh, a whole lot of stuff on Wednesday, a whole lot of stuff on Thursday coming up. So 
should be good. Make sure you join me for another uh, pre-draft chat Thursday on Freep.com, and uh, I'd like to hear your feedback on who you think the Lions are going to pick before they get on the clock somewhere or after or around 9.30 p.m. Thursday night. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, we'll do this again at some point here before training camp. This is Burkside View, the podcast. I'm your host, Dave Burkett. Thanks for joining me on Freep.com.